0: What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Instant Replay Podcast. As always, I am your host, Dominic Shiroski. Love this intro. Love this intro. All righty. So we don't have a long intro. We're just going to get right into it, all right? We're going to get right into it today. Uh, Episode 58, and we got a lot of football to talk about. We got a lot of football to talk about. As I said, it's been a pretty big week in the NFL as far as upsets. Um, like I said, I was seven and seven. I really thought I had, I felt really good about my picks this this uh, this past week, and uh, boy was I wrong. A um, couple of games I want to point out. Uh, first things first, gotta show love to my Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, I picked them to lose this game. Uh, but you know, that was a little reverse psychology. I say that the Ravens are going to lose are going to win, but I really mean that they're going to lose. And I'm really, you know, it's, it's, it's cautious optimism. You know, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm throwing the mojo off. That's all that was, but Pittsburgh, um, I think it's, I think it's, it's fair and safe to say Pittsburgh is the best team in the league right now. Um, And it just goes to show you how much of a difference having Ben Roethlisberger uh, back there. Now, granted, obviously, Chase Claypool, and he's been an amazing addition. He's, what, seven touchdowns in eight games or something like that, or six touchdowns in seven games. He's been phenomenal. Or seven touchdowns in eight weeks, I believe it is. Um, But it goes to show you that, like, this team – and again, this team went 8-8 eight and eight with their third and fourth-string quarterbacks, with Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges, because that defense was so damn good. And that defense played shaky at times, but they came up with big stops when they needed to. Um, early on in this game, actually, it did not look good for Pittsburgh at all. Um, uh, on the first drive of the game, they got a pick-six, which was great for the Steeler defense. Uh, Spillane, who I have to say, Spillane has done a phenomenal job of filling in uh, with the loss of Devin Bush. He's been incredible. This is back-to-back weeks where he's made huge impact plays. He had one where he absolutely stuffed Derrick Henry uh, at the goal line uh, the week prior against Tennessee. And then this week uh, with the pick six, I mean, not even two minutes into the game. It it, it was really great. Um, but outside of that play... uh. It was shaky. Um, Like I said, that defense did make stops. There was another one where the Baltimore Ravens were driving. Lamar Jackson's uh, pulling back for pass. They're in the red zone. And Bud Dupree does a great job of getting around, knocking the ball out of his his hands, forcing the fumble. The Steelers recover uh, kept them from scoring there. But this really was all Baltimore, all game. And if you actually look at the uh, box score and just some of the – stats for Baltimore you would think how the hell did they lose this game you know Baltimore rushed for 160 something yards like they they did what they wanted to do they ran the ball really well like Pittsburgh I want to say that Pittsburgh had no uh, answer for this Ravens rushing attack Um, but the problem was and this is the same problem that the Baltimore Ravens have had for quite some time for Lamar Jackson's uh, entire career now And it's one of the things that I honestly feel like is holding them back is that Lamar Jackson, the best way to beat him is to make him be a passer. And you just see it um, when he has to go up against top tier teams, the other elites, you know, when he's gone up against the Chiefs or the Steelers Um, and the Steelers play really well against Lamar Jackson um even like when Ben wasn't there like you know the pet like last season this Steelers defense gave him trouble right like this Steelers defense and Mike Tomlin had a great great quote at the end of the game when he was asked about Lamar Jackson and he was just like listen you know we respect the hell out of him like we respect him as a player but we don't fear him And part of that is because they know that they have a defense that can contain him. And that's exactly what they did. Uh, Lamar Jackson wasn't really running all over the field. Uh, Steelers did a good job of getting pressure on him. Steelers did a good job of forcing him into some bad decisions. Um, There was one where the Ravens, towards the end of the game, um, Baltimore is driving and they have an opportunity to take the lead. Uh, with about maybe a minute and thirteen seconds left or something like that. And Baltimore has an opportunity to take the lead and it's a fourth and third a fourth and three on, and they're at about maybe the seven yard line, you know, like they're about to score a touchdown. They're seven yards away from the end zone, they're at fourth and three, and it's a quarterback draw the entire way. And the nose tackle makes a hell of a job getting off the block, stuffing Lamar. The Steelers had four guys spying him, so he gets stuffed. Turn the ball, yeah. Turn turnover on downs. The Steelers get the ball back. Now, granted, Baltimore did a great job of forcing the Steelers to go three and out because that's exactly what they did. Uh, Steelers went three and out, kicked the ball, uh, punted the ball away. Baltimore had had an opportunity. Um, Minka Fitzpatrick actually, and it looked like Baltimore was going to do it. They got that ball back and they started moving the ball. Um, Willie Sneed had a really good game for Baltimore. He was able to get open in the secondary and pick up some really big yards, uh, chunk plays when they needed them. Uh, but Minka Fitzpatrick did a phenomenal job on the last play of the game, breaking up the, uh, touchdown pass because Lamar Jackson throws Lamar Jackson throws this beautiful ball. I believe it actually was going to Willie Sneed. He throws a beautiful ball to Willie Sneed again, but Minka Fitzpatrick just does a great job. Of going up after it, uh, high pointing the ball, he doesn't get the pick, but he breaks he breaks the you know it's a it's a pass breakup you know he gets the deflection uh, and that seals the game. That was the end of it right there, and the Steelers were able to hold on. Um, And you know, like I said, Pittsburgh Pittsburgh again didn't start well, specifically on offense. You know, this offense did not play well. The defense really kept them in the game uh, because the offense didn't start getting it going until the second half um but all in all great game uh and if you're baltimore i think if you're baltimore i think you have to sit back and assess i do think baltimore needs to get a number one wide receiver and that's no disrespect to willie sneed that is no disrespect to uh hollywood brown but they need someone who can really who really you know demands attention from the defense because right now, yes, you have some guys who are dangerous and can do damage, but you don't have anyone on the outside that you game plan for. Whereas you look at the Steelers, Juju Smith. Okay. You know, we got to keep, we got to keep an eye on him. Chase Claypool has emerged and now he's asserted himself as someone who the defense has to take accountability for. Um, So, Pittsburgh, man, 7-0, undefeated, only undefeated team. And when you look at Pittsburgh right now, it's it's nothing but smooth sailing these next couple of weeks. Um their next three games are against the Cowboys, the Jaguars, and the Bengals. And then they play the Ravens uh in week eleven on Thursday night during Thanksgiving. So it's very it's very conceivable that the Steelers could end up being 10 0 the next time they have to play the Ravens. And that next game will be in Pittsburgh. We'll see how that one shapes up. Uh, but then even after that Ravens game, the Steelers have a very, the Steelers have had a pretty vanilla schedule this year. I will not lie. Like as a Steeler fan, I love to talk about how good my team is, but we've played a pretty vanilla schedule. Like, you know, we've beaten, I mean, this three week stretch right now that we're on is probably the toughest three games that we've had, right? Like we had to play the Browns. Then we had to play who the Browns, who were only a one-loss team at that time. Uh, we went on to play the Tennessee Titans, and then the next week had to play the Titans, who were undefeated, and then the Ravens this past Sunday. So this three-game stretch right here is probably the toughest games, toughest stretch of games that we've played, and it's probably going to be the toughest. Like we have to play Baltimore one more time, we have to play Cleveland one more time, and then we have to play the Buffalo Bills. Other than that, it's kind of smooth sailing. So I'm not saying they're going to go 16 and 0, but it's a possibility if they can win. If they can beat Baltimore again, uh, if they don't take, you know, if they don't catch, uh, maybe don't don't uh, don't do what they typically do because the Steelers do have this this habit of sometimes playing down to their opponent. Um, which I think is going to be a really good test to see what happens with this Pittsburgh team these next three weeks, because Pittsburgh, it, like it's it, it's just a fact of life for my entire for my entire life. The Steelers are a great team that will somehow, some way, find a way to lose to one of the worst teams in the league. It's just what we do. We play down to our opponents sometimes. If we win these next three games, I, that shows to me that all right, maybe this team is different. But we'll see. All in all, great game for the Steelers and for the Ravens. You gotta go back to the drawing board and assess where do you really see yourself as far as the elites in the AFC. Because you've had to go up against two of them now, and in both of those games, Lamar Jackson has come up short. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, This next game, the Saints and Bears game. So I want to talk about this one. Now, Grant, it was a Good game, like just a close game uh, through and through Uh, the Bears. That Bears defense, man, I, and I tweeted this out when I was watching the game. I feel really bad for this Bears defense because this Bears defense is Super Bowl level good. Like me being a Steelers fan, obviously, like I would probably say the Steelers are the best defense in the league. If I'm being unbiased. I don't know if the Bears aren't better. I don't know if this Bears defense isn't better than the Steelers. This Bears defense might be the best defense in the league. It's just that their offense is so inconsistent and inept. It kind of gets looked over. I mean, they do so much on the defensive end. Like, and and it's and it's rough because I mean we saw this last season when the Bears' offense just was non existent with Mitchell Trubisky in. And, you know that Bears defense just kind of (laughs) quit like they were just like man what the hell are we really gonna go out here and bust our ass for when the offense can't even put 10 points on the board like I'm not about to sit out here and give maximum effort and still lose right and so that Bears defense kind of checked out last season and I don't blame them this season it kind of feels a little different like the offense is a little bit better it seems but there's just times where this offense struggles so much, and the defense just has to continue to go out there and give them opportunity after opportunity, and that's what they did last night. Like the defense gave, the defense gave this Bears team every chance to win this game. Um, did a good job of coming up with big stops when they needed to. Uh, had a huge fourth down play where they were able to get a turnover on downs. Um, the Saints went on to win this game, twenty six to twenty three, in overtime. But, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's a little disheartening. Like the bears are five and three and that's not bad, but it does not feel like the bears are five and three. Like if you look at the bears, I don't think you look at them and feel like they're a five and three team. Like the way that people feel just the aura and the vibe of the Chicago bears organization right now doesn't feel like they're five and three. You would think that the bears are like two and six, right? Um, but it's it's time in Chicago for some changes. Uh, Matt Nagy has to go. I'm not a fan of Nagy as a head coach. I think he he's one of those guys who benefited from having that whole. He's he's part of the Andy Reid coaching tree, and he kind of got that that uh whole stigma of being an offensive guru and a quarterback whisperer and i just haven't seen it in chicago now granted he's had to work with mitchell trubisky but even now with nick Foles, there are just too many times where he tries to get cute and for whatever reason he hates running the ball just like like he hates just like a regular halfback drive dive like i don't i don't understand why he hates just like handing the ball off to the running back but he does um and it doesn't make sense because you have a good running back in david montgomery um but the big thing from this game, more than anything, is Javon Mims. Oh, uh, Wims. So there's a point in the game where one of these Saints defensive backs, uh, Gardner Johnson. Uh, apparently, earlier in the game. I'm going to give some context and whims because when we watched it live, and we didn't have the context behind maybe why he did. It. Now, granted, Wims was an idiot for this, but it was insane to watch. So literally a play ends and Wims goes up to Gardner Johnson after the play is over, tries to rip his mouthpiece out, punches him in the, in the helmet and then steps back. And then again, slaps him in the helmet and starts just fully like grabbing his helmet, j- ripping him around. Like, it was insane to watch, right? Uh, he was ejected. Wims has also been suspended uh, two games for that. I do want to point out point out that that's kind of bogus that Wims gets suspended for that. But then guys like Bostic and Harris and some of these others who were laying super dirty and super illegal hits that could have actually injured people uh, against Teddy Bridgewater, against uh, Andy Dalton. Uh, you had the one dallas Cowboys uh defensive lineman who was twisting up uh twisting up dude's knees and stuff like that like those three guys only got fines but mims who threw a couple punches and really didn't hurt anybody got suspended didn't make sense to me but i mean i guess okay whatever nFL but it was just insane to watch now apparently someone i think broke it down apparently gardner johnson had uh, ripped Wims' uh, mouthpiece out earlier in the game. And Wims wasn't able to get back on the field. So Wims was kind of just sitting there stewing for like 11 minutes in real time. Not 11 minutes in game time, but 11 minutes in just real time with like, you know, timeouts and stuff. And the moment he was able to get back on the field, he just went right after Gardner Johnson. Just absolutely said i don't care i'm going right right at him so that was wild to watch um super stupid i'm surprised that the guy is still on the team to be completely honest because whims no disrespect you're not a good enough like you're a cuttable player you're not a good enough player where where you are someone who a team probably sits back and is like we can't cut him like he's he's a he's a while he may not be one of our main pieces he is a a good piece. Uh, you're not one of those players, so that was interesting. But Saints get the win in this game. Um, but yeah, Chicago, man, you, Chicago. You have three options. One, first things first. Okay, so before we get to the three options, first you need to find a new head coach. That's first and foremost. But you have three options. You need to do everything possible. To tank the rest of this season away right you need to tank this season away try and lose every single game from here on out so that way you have a shot just a shot at a top five pick and maybe you can get trevor lawrence or justin fields um if you don't want to do that and you still feel like hey maybe we can compete then okay do that but then you better be you better be super prepared to give away a king's ransom in draft capital to move up in the draft and get a quarterback that is worth a damn. Or, if you're lucky, and the Dallas Cowboys are as dumb of an organization as we all believe them to be, and they decide to let Dak Prescott walk, you all need to be the first and last people on his phone, hitting his agent up and saying, hey, what does he want? We'll pay it. But... Moving on, because we got some other games to get into. I've spent a lot of time on the Steelers and Bears. I'm being a little, I'm being a homer right now. I'm being a little biased. So let's, let's get into some of these other games. Um, one of the big surprises, uh, Vikings and Packers. This was a game, Packers in Green Bay at home. It, they beat the Vikings earlier this season. The Packers just look, Packers look like one of the better teams in the NFC. The Vikings look, have been one of the most disappointing teams in the NFL period. Um, but Dalvin Cook ran crazy and it it was, you know, it's something that I I spoke about when I said that the Packers didn't were one earlier in the year when I kept on mentioning how the Packers are one of the few teams that probably got worse during the offseason, which is something that is hard to do, like. Unless you're doing it intentionally, like unless you're like trading someone out and you know, like, hey, we're moving on from this person. We're probably going to be a worse team for it right now. But in the future, it's better for our future. Right. That didn't seem to be the plan. Like, granted, they are getting ready for their future because they drafted Jordan Love, who, by the way, all reports are that Jordan Love looks terrible in practice and training camp and like all of that stuff that could just be reports and rumors. But from some of the snaps that I've seen him take, uh, it's not looking good. It's it's a good thing he's on the bench. And uh, maybe Aaron Rodgers will be there for another four or five years because <laughs> um, Jordan Love might need that much time to develop. But, you know, this Packers defense, it's it's relatively the same as it was last season. And the problem that they had last year was they couldn't stop the run. And it's the same thing this year. Dalvin Cook rushed for 163 yards, three touchdowns on 30 carries. I loved it because I have him on my fantasy team. But, you know, the Vikings, and and credit to the Vikings' defense, they were able to slow Aaron Rodgers down. And this has been one of my criticisms of the Packers is because the Packers have kind of had this mentality that we're not going to change our defense. We're not going to make any adjustments. We're not going to bring anyone, anyone uh, to help out in. Because Aaron Rodgers is just going to score 35 points a game. Well, this is twice now where you've had a situation where Aaron doesn't put up 30 plus points and you need your defense to come up and make stops and they can't do it. So this was a very wild game. Uh, Just wild to watch. Like I said, that Vikings defense finally started looking like what we kind of expected the Vikings defense to look like. And who knows, maybe this is the Vikings team starting to catch their stride. (laughs) halfway through the season maybe um we'll see but uh that was a pretty shocking pretty shocking game to watch um but like i said not surprising because green bay did nothing to address any of their weaknesses this offseason nothing at all (laughs) so hey uh next game we can talk about tua getting his first start and his first win. Now there was a lot of people, myself included, who thought this was a little premature. Why would you bring Tua in when your team is playing good? But, uh, after doing some thinking, it does make sense. Now, like I said, I believe that the Miami Dolphins plan was to have Tua come in after the bye week, no matter what. Um, I, 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 wholeheartedly believe that because their bye week got moved that that's why Tua started this week because I believe their bye week originally was supposed to be like week 10 or something like that I can't remember off the top of my head um but they had him come in and Tua played well uh he got a win he didn't look outstanding um but this Miami Dolphins team played really well for Tua uh that's really what it came down to this that defense did exactly what they needed to do. Like, Tua only completed 12, 22 passes, only threw for 93 yards. Uh, he did have one touchdown, but one touchdown pass, I'm sorry. But this Miami defense did a hell of a job uh, getting after the Rams, uh, taking advantage of. <clears throat> excuse me, uh, taking advantage of, uh, bad plays two intercept. Yeah. Miami force, two interceptions, uh, one by Christian Wilkins, one by Eric Rowe, uh, had three defensive touchdowns. Um, one that was a fumble recovery. You had another that was on a punt return. Like it, it, it was, it was a really great job by that defense. Uh, it was really in the second quarter. You know, the second quarter was really what put the game away. Um, Dolphins scored twenty-one points in that in that second quarter, and that was really kind of it. <laughs> you know, they jumped up twenty-eight to ten in the first half, and from there it was kind of over. So uh, shocking. Win by the Dolphins. I do think if you're the Rams, this is one of those games where it's like, hey, we shot ourselves in the foot a bunch. Uh, we if we just execute better, we win this game. You know, we can't we can't give them three def- like we can't let three defensive touchdowns go. Like their offense only scored seven points, <laughs> their defense and special teams scored twenty one. We can't let that happen again, right? So if you're the Rams, I think you just got to be like, damn, you know, we shot ourselves in the foot. And if you're Miami, hey. Looks like it's an off to a nice start with the Tua era in Miami. So, shouts out to them. And last game I want to talk about is this Buccaneers and Giants game. So, why do I want to talk about the Buccaneers and Giants? Because I saw some things last night that made me made me a believer. I can't believe I'm going to say this, but made me a believer in Daniel Jones. Uh the Giants did lose this game, but they played really hard and they made this a tough game. Uh the Buccaneers won 25 to 23. Uh they that Giants defense really forced that Buccaneers offense to struggle. Uh Tom Brady 28 of 40, only 279 yards had a touch had two touchdowns. But you know, it whenever it seemed like tampa might start pulling away daniel jones and that giants responded um it was it was very impressive daniel jones and now granted daniel jones also had some really bad throws and really bad decisions in this game but i saw out of him like i saw why they took him like this was one of those games where it's like okay the talent jumps out and you see okay that's why they took him right that's that's why they made the decision that they did um yeah this Giants team man they're they're a team they're one in seven but they've played hard in every game that they've played this year like if you're if you're a Giants fan you may be upset with the record but I don't think you can get upset with the overall effort of this team from everyone um Daniel Jones obviously has to cut down on the interceptions he's still young he's learning it's like it's he's only in his what second season I believe second or third season now. He's young, right? Give the kid some time. But uh, it was impressive. It really was impressive. Some of the things and the way he was able to respond. A little bit of controversy at the end of this game. Uh, the Buccaneers and I have to say Bruce Arians and this and I was upset because this is such a anti Bruce Arians thing that he did. And you could see Tom Brady was very pissed off when they made this decision. Uh, There's a point in the game where the Buccaneers are at about the maybe 25, 26, 27 yard line, something like that, right? They're close to the end zone. Uh, And currently they are up by five points. Um, They're up by five points and it's a fourth and one. And... We all know Bruce Arians is super aggressive. We know Tom Brady believes in his self. We know Tom Brady's aggressive. I'm sitting here thinking, oh, they're going to go for it. Go for it. Put this game away. You go in there. You keep this drive going. You're up five points right now. You score a touchdown. They're only going to have a minute and something left to score twice, basically, because that's exactly what they would need. Like You score this touchdown here. The game is essentially over. Bruce Arians decided not to do that. Uh, Bruce Arians decided to be conservative, and I feel like it was the bad choice. I feel like it was the wrong choice, and it almost cost them. Uh, he played to not lose instead of playing to win. Uh, he said, no, we're going to kick the field goal. We're going to go up by eight points. Um, I mean, granted, if you want to say it worked out because they did win this game, yes, but to me, that's still the wrong decision. I would much rather you sit back and say, good luck trying to stop this offense. And if you do stop it, good luck trying to score on this defense. And if you do score on this defense, good luck trying to stop this offense one more time because we're probably going to get the ball back and we have some timeouts. I just, again, I, I, it felt like he was coaching scared in that situation. Uh, but they kick the field goal. They go up by eight points. And Daniel Jones, to his credit, leads this team down the field, scores the touchdown. And on this two-point conversion, he has Wayne Gallman going out on a little jet motion, running towards the sideline in the end zone. And it was open. Daniel Jones, the only reason this play gets broken up is because Daniel Jones held onto the ball too long. If Daniel Jones gets that ball out a second earlier, half a second earlier, they're in, we're going into overtime. He holds on to the ball, throws it, and I believe it was Devin White who broke it up. I believe I could be wrong. But one of the Buccaneers defenders comes and breaks up the breaks up the pass and you know, game is over. But then the flag comes out because, and now the Giants do have a gripe. By the letter of the law, that was pass interference. Buccaneers defender hits Wayne Gallman early and by the letter of the law that penalty should have been thrown however they decided to pick the flag up and that was the end of the game so if I'm sure the Giants are pretty upset about that you feel like you probably got hosed but it is what it is it happens but uh if you're a Giants fan I think be patient um because if Daniel Jones can really get it together because he has he has the physical capabilities, right? And I think he has he has the he has he has a little bit of that it factor where you can where he he won't let his team give up. He in big moments can come up big, right? I just think it's the mental thing right now. I feel like right now he's still adjusting to NFL speed, to NFL situations. Uh, He's a poor decision maker currently. Uh, But if he can shore up that, I mean, hey, New York, you might have gotten one. You might have one. But in other NFL news, that was just a little recap. Uh, Oh, yeah, I'm supposed to... Looking forward to week week nine. I'll give you guys my Thursday night pick before I get into some of these trade rumors because today is the NFL trade deadline. Uh, the deadline will be 4 p.m. today. So in roughly four hours, I'll say actually roughly three hours, about three hours and 15 minutes, uh, the deadline will be over. And I'm sure that we're going to hear a lot of other moves being made. And... We will see what happens there. But Thursday night, we get Green Bay and San Francisco, a rematch of the NFC Championship game. This will be in in Santa Clara. 49ers will be home. And I'm really upset that the 49ers are just riddled with injuries right now because – this would have been a really good matchup. I would have loved to have seen this game over again, but the 49ers are done this season. Uh, the 49ers have been plagued again. One of the many teams that have been plagued by injuries this year. Um, you know, I really feel like no preseason, no training camp, no OTAs, all that stuff really played a big part in the guys getting hurt and not being in shape uh, and just not being ready for not being an NFL uh, condition. But the, 49er, the 49ers are obviously we know, Uh, no Nick Bosa, no Solomon Thomas, no Richard Sherman. We know those guys have been done for the season for quite some time now, but it really sucks because, you know, Kittle was injured earlier in the year. Jimmy Garoppolo was injured earlier in the year. Debo Samuel was injured earlier in the year. And then it kind of started to feel like this team was finally starting to get healthy again. Like Jimmy comes back, Kittle comes back, Debo comes back and it's like, okay, offense is starting to get healthy. This defense is still good, now we can start picking things up. And they did, you know, they were on a two game win streak. Uh, but injuries just rear their head again. And it seems like both Jimmy Garoppolo and Kittle will be done for the season. Jimmy Garoppolo, I believe is expected to miss six games. Uh, Kittle has a broken, I believe a broken bone in his foot, I believe was his injury. Um, He's going to be done for the next eight weeks. So basically, the 49ers, unless unless they make the playoffs this year, Kittle and Garoppolo are done this season. Um, and for that reason alone, the Packers are going to win this game. It's, uh, you know, whether it's Mullins or whoever the hell they have at quarterback, it doesn't matter. His uh, Green Bay Packers offense is efficient. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is playing out of his mind and same thing with Devontae Adams. Uh, it's just a rough it's just a rough situation to be in if you're the 49ers, you know. You kind of just have to it happens some years, you know. Sometimes you just got to sit back and just say, "Hey, it is what it is." You know, we injuries took us out. That's how I feel as a Steelers fan last year. I I've, I've felt that way as a Steeler fan many times. You know how many times I've had to watch my Steelers play a playoff game without like without Le'Veon bell and antonio brown like that's happened like i've literally had to sit back and watch us play playoff games without our two best players so i get it it's rough but uh, i'm taking the packers in this one just because 49ers the injuries just continue to pile on and it's it's going to be rough to get over so i'm going to take the packers in that one now I mentioned the NFL trade deadline and I promise for those of you who are tired of hearing about football, we're going to move on to football. We're going to move on to other stuff in just a minute. So give me a second. We're almost, we're almost done with the football talk. <laughs> um, NFL trade trade deadline is today. Bunch of rumors. There were actually some rather big deals. Obviously Yannick Ngakwe has already been traded. We know about that, uh, but there were some other moves, uh, surprising moves actually. Um, Quan Alexander, the linebacker for the San Francisco 49ers was traded to the saints Um, I don't think now from what, what reporters and what some insiders were saying were that the 49ers wanted to trade Quan Alexander last year, but he tore his ACL and he was kind of damaged goods. Couldn't really trade him because they wouldn't get any fair value for him. So they held on to him. He comes back this year. They keep, keep him for a little bit to show that he's healthy. Um, they trade Quan Alexander, to the Saints. I believe the Saints uh, will be sending Kiko Alonzo, actually to the 49ers. I believe I saw that come up. But a uh, couple of other trades. Uh, one of the really interesting ones was uh, the Chargers trading cornerback uh, Desmond King to the, uh, to the Titans um, in exchange for a sixth round pick. And Desmond King is a good corner he was a healthy scratch he did not play against the denver broncos uh but i think uh i think the chargers are moving forward they have young they have younger guys there right on that defensive side of the ball And i think they're just kind of getting to a point where it's like hey we're we're moving on we're going into the the youth direction we're rebuilding this team and desmond king there's just not really a place for you here at the time being but for the titans it's a good pickup you get a guy who is a really good corner um I've always thought Desmond King was pretty good. Um, If he can stay healthy, you know, that's kind of been one of the things for him. But uh, I think that helps with this Titans defense a lot because this Titans defense specifically has not looked good uh, at all. So other moves, huge move for the Steelers, actually. Uh, Steelers, you know, obviously had to deal with the loss of Devin Bush earlier this season. And while, like I said, I've praised uh, Bob Spillane <laughs> for what he's done. Uh, the Steelers went out and got a little bit more insurance to back that up. They went out and traded for uh New York jets linebacker, Avery Williamson uh, Sunday night. The Steelers uh, will receive Avery Williamson and a 2022 seventh round pick. And the jets get a fifth round pick. So that's a really big move. Avery Williamson is a tackling machine. Um, I think it's a really good pickup for the Steelers. Also, for, if you're Avery Williamson, how awesome is that going from 0-8 to 7-0? You went from winless to undefeated and just like that. So big moves there. A um, couple other rumors. Uh rumors that maybe the Patriots would be moving on from Stefan Gilmore, but apparently the Patriots have come out and basically been telling teams if you want Stefan Gilmore, we want a first round pick and we want a player. So it seems like they've got some got a high it's a high ask uh is what it seems like um it, it's going to take a lot to get Stephon Gilmore, if a team is out there and they are interested. Uh, Minnesota Vikings are open to trading Anthony Harris. We'll see what happens there. The Dolphins have talked about possibly trading Xavier and Howard. Uh, Cleveland Browns possibly moving on from David and Joku. We'll see. Uh, Washington has come out and said that Ryan Kerrigan, even though he's requested a trade, will not be traded. Uh, there was a little bit of maybe intrigue that maybe the Falcons would trade uh, defensive end Tack McKinley. Uh, tech tweeted out the other day that I'm not being traded. The Falcons have declined all the offers that people have given me. So we could see, you know, as we, as we get closer to, you know, especially with in the NFL and stuff like that, this is always one of those situations where, uh, it's going to, it comes down to the, to the last. Yeah. Like it comes down to the last second, right? Like it goes down to the final hour. We're going to see a whole bunch of moves get made. I'm pretty sure that hell there's probably moves being made now as I'm recording, um, but something to keep your eye on this, 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 this fine Tuesday. Um, all righty, that's enough NFL. <laughs> that's enough NFL talk. Let's get into the NBA and NBA. We're about two weeks away from this NBA draft. And, you know, it's, it's a, it's a time of intrigue. It's a time of, of, you know, just sitting back and, people are evaluating and all this other stuff. And it's a little weird because it's kind of, kind of feels like this is the first time in a couple of years where there's maybe not a consensus number one overall pick. Uh, We honestly have no idea who the hell Minnesota is going to take. We, we have no idea who the Timberwolves are going to take. They could take Anthony Edwards. They could take Lamelo ball. They could take James Wiseman. Like we don't know who the hell the Timberwolves are going to take. Hell, they might trade back. We'll see what happens there. But, you know, I was thinking about the draft and I was just it got me thinking about, you know, what some teams are going to look like moving forward and I have to ask, is there a bigger question mark in the in a, in the NBA right now than the Philadelphia 76ers? You know, this is a team who I mean, grossly underachieved last season. Um played Great ball at home, but then we're terrible on the road. Obviously, Ben Simmons is hurt, so they don't really have a chance at winning a championship. Uh, they get absolutely just dis, <laughs> just get disenfranchised and just you know tossed to the side in the playoffs. Um, but I just I, the Philadelphia 76ers, It's so hard to. Gauge what they're going to be next season, right? I don't know, like, what is Daryl Morey's effect going to be on this team? Do one of them get traded? I've been saying for the longest, hey, I understand that you all have two of the best players in the league and you want to keep them together, but they just don't work well together. They don't work well together at all. So, that being said, what are they going to do? You know, like, do they... Do they sit back and say, "Okay, we got Doc Rivers, we got Daryl Morey now. Do we run this one more time? Yeah, like do we do we give this one more shot before we break everything up? How will Ben Simmons fit into if, you know, Daryl Morey has any input on how this team is going to operate, you know, in his three-point shooting philosophy, will Doc Rivers get behind that? What does that mean for Ben Simmons?" like there's so many questions for the Philadelphia 76ers. It's really hard to gauge them. Like this could work out fabulously. And the Philadelphia 76ers can look like that team from a couple seasons ago that damn near beat the Toronto Raptors, uh, to go to the Eastern conference championship game. Uh, it's just, it's, it's really weird. It's really weird in Philly right now. It's, If you're a Philadelphia fan, like, I don't know how you feel. Like, Philly fans, how do you all feel about this team right now? Like, how do you all feel about the 76ers? Because I honestly don't know how to feel about them. Like, it's it's really, like, they are the biggest question mark to me. Like, I feel like every other team in the NBA I can look at and I can properly gauge, right? Like, I can look and go to the Western Conference and say, okay, the Lakers, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, they're going to be fine. Yeah, some guys are going to leave, but they have a ton of cap space. They might actually even be able to bring in a third guy and have a big three over there in Los Angeles. They're going to be fine. Golden State's coming back. They have a top – they have the second pick in the overall draft. If they, they can go out and draft someone like James Wiseman and have one of the best starting fives in the NBA, the Golden State Warriors are going to be back. They're going to be good. Like, I can do that for the majority of teams in the NBA, right? Like, even some of the even some of the teams that maybe aren't top tier. Like, I go, I can go and look at the Atlanta Hawks and say, okay, a lot of young talent they might still be able to need to develop but Clint Capella's is there you have Collins there you have Trey Young there like they're a team that yes they're young they could struggle but they should be in at least in contention for a playoff spot in the Eastern Conference right like I can do that for everyone except the Philadelphia 76ers I honestly don't know this team could be I mean, like just from a talent perspective, you can look at them and say, there's no reason why they can't be the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. You could also look at them and say, "Uh, maybe they'll be middle of the pack. Maybe, you know, five, maybe, you know, something like that. Who knows? Maybe they don't gel. Like maybe they make trade. Like there's so much uncertainty with this Philadelphia 76ers team. It's, it's really tough to deal with. Um, So 76ers fans, Good luck. Good luck dealing with this team moving forward. Um, I can tell you this, I'm interested to see how it'll play out. I'm interested to see how it'll play out. Whether we start this season, uh, before Christmas or on Martin Luther King Jr. Day, whether it's a 72 game or 68 game season, all I know is I will be paying a very, very, very close eye on what the Philadelphia 76ers do this upcoming season. Um, A little bit of college football news, and we're going to give you some college football news, and then we'll talk a little bit of UFC real quick before we get out of here. College football, uh, scary moment in college football this past week. uh, Ole Miss tight end Demarcus Thomas uh, was injured during a practice, and Lane Kiffin, by all uh, measurements, he came out and spoke to, The media and you could just tell that his like you could tell his voice was shaking he was you could tell he was really um his like he was disturbed by what he saw um but demarcus thomas uh tight end suffered a very bad injury from what it seemed like uh to the point where they were trying to test him out he hadn't moved they were asking if he could feel anything and he said he couldn't so uh, we did get a little bit of an update uh, Lane Kiffin did tell reporters later on that you know he he started to regain some feeling in his body which is great news um so we're I'm just we're hoping that it's everything's okay um you know sometimes you know uh, sometimes you can have something where you kind of have a full body stinger you know where you know something just you get hit the right way or the wrong way and you know your body just kind of locks up or maybe you just you know sometimes you get hit hard and it kind of makes your body go numb hopefully that's what this situation is uh, he was airlifted to the nearest ho- to a hospital um, so again hoping Demarcus Thomas can make a speed of recovery and that this is nothing uh, major or career ending or anything or life-changing you know I mean forget career and football this is something you know, this is affecting someone's life so uh, hopefully Demarcus Thomas uh is healthy and hopefully uh, everything's okay. Hopefully that's a speedy recovery and he can get back to doing what he loves. What else do we have here for college football? Oh, Dan Mullen. So, had two fights this weekend. Uh obviously we we spoke about Javon Wims and his uh boxing debut against the Saints. There was a fight uh during the Florida and ooh, who were they playing with? I cannot remember who they were playing, but there was a fight during the Florida game and Dan Mullen who, so here's the thing. I kind of, I understand why. Cause Dan Mullen was fired or not fired. Sorry, <laughs> was fined $25,000 for his role in encouraging the fight. Basically a uh, fight breaks out as they're heading into uh, halftime and Dan Mullen Basically, after everyone is kind of broken apart and everyone is heading back to their locker rooms, Dan Mullen walks back out and like just starts getting the crowd riled up. Like, yeah, like that's what we're like. Basically, was like, yeah, you see what we're doing out here. We're not like we're not taking we're not taking no BS from nobody, right? He was fined for that twenty five thousand dollars for basically encouraging unsportsmanlike conduct. But I gotta say, as a player. Kind of like that, right? Like if you're a player, kind of like that. Coaches up there stirring stuff up. I like that coaches out there and is like, "Hey, man, what y'all want to do?" <laughs> I kind of like that. Coaches getting getting the getting the crowd fired up. I like that he's that he uh, is 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 taking a part in this. Now, granted, you can't do that, <laughs> right? Like it's one of those things you can't do because it is a little unprofessional, and you know, just you, you just can't do it, but. Uh, I thought that was a little funny interaction. Uh, uh, he got fined for that, so we'll see what happens there. Um, the other big news out of college football, obviously uh, this past Saturday told you that Trevor Lawrence, uh, well, this last week I told you all, Trevor Lawrence uh, tested positive for COVID-19. He did not play uh, the the last game that they played. He also, um, against Boston College, He it has come out now that he – has been ruled out for their game against Notre Dame, which that is going to be very interesting to see how that plays out. Um, I don't think that it will affect Clemson's chances of making it to the playoffs this year, just because I think the committee will sit back and say they didn't have, they're going to sit back and be like, well, Trevor Lawrence didn't play. Like they lost the, their only loss was against another top 10 ranked team or top five-ranked team. I believe Notre Dame is ranked like third in the nation right now, something like that. But their only loss was against another top 10, top five-ranked opponent, and they didn't have the best player in the nation. Like Their best player on their team is also the best player in the nation, and he did not play that game. So I I don't think it will have any real ramifications on how Clemson is viewed or whether or not Clemson will make it into the uh, college football playoffs. Uh, The only thing it seems to really affect, uh, a lot of people have shifted their expectation and believe that these two games probably take Trevor Lawrence out of the running to be the Heisman, to win a Heisman this year. So it seems like it's it's basically just going to be a two-man race between Mac Jones and Justin Fields. Uh, We'll see how that shapes up. But for those of you who might be betting on who wins a Heisman, because I'm pretty sure there's somewhere you can bet on something like that, uh, it seems like Trevor Lawrence is at, and he's not going to be holding any uh, Heisman this year. Won't be getting that hardware. But he might end up with another uh, national championship. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, Also, Dabo did come out and say that uh, he ex- he fully expects Trevor Lawrence to go uh, to the NFL at the end of the season. He does not expect Trevor Lawrence to come back. A uh, little bit of an update there because Trevor Lawrence basically did kind of say, hey, you never know what's going to happen. Uh, I, I mean, my plan is to is to declare for the NFL, but you never know. I, I could stay another year just because definitely sounds like Trevor Lawrence does not want to play for the New York Giants. And, or for the New York Jets, I'm sorry. But – Either way, we'll see what happens there. Uh, lastly, UFC. Um, I didn't speak about this on Friday. I completely it completely skipped my mind, uh, and I just forgot to talk about it. But Anderson Silva, his last fight, or what we all believe to be at least Anderson Silva's last fight in the UFC. Um, Anderson Silva's last fight in the UFC uh, going up against Uriah Hall. Emotional fight good fight. Anderson Silva looked good in this fight, by the way, too. Like He, he was aggressive. Uh Hell, in the third round, it, he, he was great in the third round. He was really hurting Hall. The problem was that in the third round, uh, Hall landed a hit towards the end, and that hit really kind of rocked Anderson Silva, and from there, it was kind of over. He got saved by the bell in the third round, but then Uriah comes in, and uh beats Silva by TKO in the fourth round but it was it was a good fight um I think what Dana White said afterwards is is very telling and I kind of agree with him Um, Dana White said that he kind of wishes he didn't let Silva take this fight uh Dana White has basically come out and said I want Anderson Silva to retire Anderson Silva is 45 years old you're one of the greatest fighters this sport has ever seen. You will be immortalized in this sports history. You know, hundreds of years from now, when people talk about the UFC, you will not be able to do it without talking about Anderson Silva. Anderson Silva does need to retire though. Um, These past couple years, it has been rough to watch him fight sometimes because you, you can just see he's not the same person. And granted he's, 20 years older now like yeah it makes sense you're 45 years old dude i, th- I think dana white made it made a really great point where he was like there's no re-, he was like unless you're protecting he's like unless you're protecting yourself or your family there's no reason for a 45 46 year old person to be fighting period and i agree with that um this anderson silva's contract was had two fights left on it um after last well after last night it's it's only one fight left on his contract but i don't think dana white i think the ufc will terminate that contract i think dana white dana white basically has come out and said anderson silva will not fight in the ufc anymore if he wants to go and maybe fight somewhere else in a different league he can but it won't be in the ufc i don't want to see him do it it's time for him to retire it's time for him to sit down it's time for him to relax. You've done everything you possibly could. You've been a champion, you've been electric, you've been the favorite you've been considered one of the greatest of all time. What are you still doing here? It's time to move on. it's time to let it go. and I agree. again, I love this uh, love the spider okay? love the spider, but it is it's 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 time for Anderson Silva to move on. you know everyone we all get to that we all get to that point, right? And, you know, just it is what it is. 30, Anderson Silva currently 34 and 11. Uh, he is the owner of the longest title reign in UFC history, where he held uh, the title for 2,457 consecutive days. Uh, has the longest winning streak in UFC history with 16 tied for first with most knockouts in UFC history with 11. Uh, And he's beaten some of the best, you know, Vitor Belfort, Dan Henderson. He's beaten Rich Franklin twice. He's beaten Chael Sonnen twice. Like he's one of the greatest of all time. And it's, it's, it's time to hang it up. It's time to hang the gloves up, go home, be with your family, be a family guy. If you want to, if you want to continue to be around the UFC and all that, do yeah, go go the Daniel Cormier route, and you know be an announcer or an analyst or something like that. But it's it's time to get out of the game. It's it's time to get out of the game. Uh, from one person retiring though to someone who some people might be thinking might be unretiring, obviously Khabib Nergamedov, uh beat Justin Gaethje, and he announced after that after his title defense and after his victory that that would be his last fight that he was retiring. Um A lot of people are thinking that he might come back and fight one more time so that way he can get to that 30-0 and mark. Um, I don't know. He seemed like someone who was really convinced that he didn't want to fight anymore, specifically because, obviously, the passing of his father. And he was just like, if my father isn't here to celebrate the victories with me and coach me and, and be a part of this success, I'm kind of good on it. And I respect the hell out of that. So we'll see what happens. Khabib. May or may not be coming back for uh, his 30th fight and possibly his 30th win. Uh, but we will see. We shall see. All righty. That's all I got for you guys today. I've taken up enough of your time. <laughs> uh, thank you all so much for listening. If you liked today's episode, go ahead, like it, share it, tell a friend to tell a friend, all that good stuff. If you didn't like today's episode, just act like it didn't happen. Uh, you all are amazing. Uh, and Yeah. Thank you all so much. This has been the Instant Replay Podcast. I'm your host, Dominic Sharofsky. And as always, I leave you all with a quote. Kobe Bryant once said, no one hates the good ones. They only hate the great ones. So go out there and make some new haters. I'll see you Tuesday. Oh, no, wait. Today is Tuesday. Sorry. I'll see you Friday. <laughs> all right, guys. See ya.